So this podcast is called Don't Live Stuck. And what I want to do with this podcast, Tammy, is share stories, experiences from people that we can learn from and use as motivation or um, inspiration, whatever people want to call it. And when you told me your story about your accident and how you went through that, that really, I thought like, oh man, I need to hear the whole story. Um, so that's why you're here. Right. You know, hopefully we can, we can learn something from how you became super Tammy. Super Tammy. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> there you there go. You go. <laughs> so welcome. Thank you. To the podcast. But let me start by talking about your crazy love for running i've told you before yes <laughs> your post about your morning runs for people that are listening this is in utah so the winter is cold and she's posting pictures what time like six in the morning um in the winter we were out running around five five in the morning so when i wake up around six thirty, six or seven um depending how lazy i'm feeling I, the first thing i see on facebook is tammy's picture where she already ran like what's your average mile every day um well average is like six to eight but we at least get you know a 10 to 12 mile run in once a week so that's so, about the average so picture this me waking up going on facebook and then seeing tammy's picture that she's done running eight miles by like six six thirty yeah that makes you feel pretty lazy every morning. So thank you for that. <laughs> You're welcome. So where did the love for running start? How did you get into that? Did you do like track in school or? I honestly, growing up, I grew up in a family of nine kids. So my family did not have money to put me in sports. So I did not do sports. But in high school, um, occasionally I would run with friends and I would think, oh man, I would love to do a 5k one day. This was, you know, I was 17 and I thought if I could only run twice around this block, I'd be happy. <laughs> so it didn't come then. But after I had my first child, I needed some way to escape and do something for me. And so my husband's family, they were big into running. So they asked me to do a relay with them. So that's really where it started. And then I just that was me time. It was time that I could get out of the house and, you know, just be me for a minute. Wow. So that's how I got into it. So not only do you do it, but how did you find someone else, your <laughs> running partner, that loves it just as much? So I have a running partner. Her name is Nan. And it was one cold winter morning and I was just really struggling getting up to go run because I didn't really have anything to look for you know, like any races or anything going yeah. on. So I just put a post on Facebook asking if anybody wanted to help me get out of bed. That was it. That was the post. And she said, I'll, I'll run with you. I have Mondays off, so let's run Mondays together. She was a waitress at Dee's restaurant up in Ogden. Was she a runner already? Yeah, she's been running for years. She oh, okay. is also 30 years older than I am. So oh, wow. This is I didn't kind know that. Of, yeah, so this is a kind of a unique relationship that we have together. So she And is, she keeps, I mean, she does all the runs. Oh, you? yeah. She is, I half the time have to keep up with her. Like, she is a rock star. In fact, you should have her here instead of That's me. That's so but cool. Yeah. She, um, so she was a waitress at D's up in Ogden before mm -hmm. it closed. And she had been doing that for, I don't know, 30 something years. So on Monday mornings, we would get up and run, and I knew that I would have to keep up with her on Mondays, so it made me get up 
all the other days and run. So but it was just Facebook. I, yeah. And she lived right by me, so we would. But now you guys run together every day, right? Yeah, when Dee's closed, we started running almost every day together. There's rarely a run that we don't run together. That's cool. Yeah. So when it comes to running that early, because like I said, this podcast is about everything. Mm-hmm. Um, is it a habit now that you, how long have you been doing it at that, that time, that early in the morning? Um, I think I started running early more when I started running with her because we had to, okay. I had to get up before my husband had to go to work. Um, before the kids got up, just because if I didn't get it done early, it wasn't going to happen. So it didn't always start out early in the morning. So since so then. How long has that been? Um, maybe seven years. Okay. So. so seven years doing it in the morning, Monday through? Um, about four to five days a week. Okay. So is it still hard sometimes? Are there mornings where you really have to fight to get up? Or because you've been doing it all along, you just get up and do it now um most of the time it's pretty easy to get up because I know she's gonna be waiting for me um mm-hmm. and even some nights when I'm like I am just so tired I don't think I want to get up and run tomorrow I don't have the guts to text her and say I'm not running in the morning so most of the time it is habit sure there are some days where I wake up and I think oh I just want to sleep in today and then I just get up and because I know she's gonna be waiting for me so that helps so is it a habit that gets you out, you think, or an accountability partner? I'm curious because... Probably both. Both? Mm, maybe about 40% habit, 60% accountability. <laughs> can, we, can we throw that okay. out there? Yeah. So yeah, it's probably more... Um, a lot of the times, though, we do say, we'll sleep in tomorrow, but most likely we'll be awake. So if we're awake, we'll text each other and just go anyway. So maybe that's the habit part. Dang. Okay. Um... So you briefly told me, and I specifically told you, I don't know if you remember, when you were telling me your story, I said, you know, don't tell me so much because then I would like to have you on the podcast and interview you um, to hear the full story. But you were hit by a car in one of your morning runs. So how was that? I mean, tell us a little bit. Tell us a little bit of that experience. So... Um, Nan and I signed up to run the Ogden full marathon. We had run a marathon the previous summer and we wanted to do it again. And so we got up to go train and we were pretty close to home. We'd run that way several times before. It was not something that was abnormal. It wasn't an abnormal place for us. It was very normal just where we would go. And we were crossing the street in a crosswalk and a truck, Mm. um, a big F-350, let's just correct that from a car. No, (laughs) (laughs) Um, it turned left and he didn't see us. So he struck Nan and I, and I kind of took the brunt of it. She got clipped out of the way. And I, from what they told me, I flew up on the hood and flew 60 feet. Um, 60 the, feet yeah from the impact six zero yeah six zero wow yeah so i got thrown pretty That's far hit the pavement i don't remember any of that so do you and this is just me being curious do you remember like 
the headlights coming? Like, what's the last thing you remember? No, um, the last thing I remember is seeing the um, the sidewalk up ahead, like where our where we were Stepping. heading to. And um, this was the only time that I didn't look at the car turning left. The one time. I always, we always look for the car turning left. We almost stop halfway through the crosswalk. And so I don't remember headlights. Um, I remember seeing the sidewalk. And then I remember um, being incoherent on the pavement. Wow. So that's, because I was, I guess... I do remember hearing things all around me. I couldn't see anything. It was black. Um, I remember hearing paramedics, and that was it. I just don't really remember much from that. And how long ago was this? It was five years ago on March 12th. Five years ago. That's when you were going to run down in San Diego, right? Mm -hmm. Five years ago. And how old were your kids at this time? Um, I had a... Let's see, he was almost five. So my son was almost five and my daughter was two and a half. Wow. Yep. So what happened then? You got picked up, took you to the hospital. Once you came back, what was the story? What they tell you? What happened to you physically? So um, they didn't tell me a whole lot at first. And um, one thing that was huge for us was that the paramedics and the firemen were a block away. Mm. So I don't know if the flashing lights were part of a distraction, like, you know, what distracted the driver. I don't know that side of it. And quite honestly, I don't. Did you ever talk to him? No. To the driver? I don't care. I don't hold anything against him. For me, it's just better just to not worry about that. Did he ever try to reach out? He or? sent us flowers at the hospital, and I do remember hearing him praying, begging God behind, like, around me. I don't know where he was, but mm. that's one thing I do remember from being on the pavement. I remember hearing him. Um, I haven't met him or seen him. That's part of my I don't have a face, you know what I mean? Okay. But he he did send us flowers in the hospital, and I know he was super sorry. I just, I couldn't imagine being in his shoes. I'd almost yeah. rather be in mine. <laughs> so um, he, he did reach out to us, but I don't know if those flashing, so back to that, I don't know if those flashing lights were distracting, but they were super close, and so they were able to run right over to me. Where you were. And so I met an EMT in the hospital. He was a phlebotomist at the hospital. So after the fact, and he, he told me he was so glad to see me because they thought we were, I was going to die. Wow. And they didn't know. They send people to the hospital, right? And they don't know the outcome. But this particular EMT, he, he could tell me that I would have bled out if they weren't there. So that was one huge miracle that happened. So you were in the hospital. Your friend, did she have to go to the hospital? Or she was did. It? We got sent to separate hospitals. I got sent to Davis. She got sent to McKay So she was in the hospital for about the same amount of time as I was. And when did you came back to conscience again after? Um, I was in and out for the first couple of days. Um, mm. I think they tried to keep me pretty sedated. sedated, 
but I do remember family being around. So that day was kind of a blur, but so you asked what happened. So I got to the hospital and the most major injury was I had an open tibia fracture and Mm. that's what could have, I could have bled out from. And so that was the most pressing thing, but everything else wasn't life-threatening. Um, I have a great big long list of my injuries. In fact, I keep that in, it's like my prize trophy. No, I'm just kidding. Um, anyway, so there were doctors trying Broken to Broken stuff, I'm assuming. Oh, yeah. So I had the open tibia fracture. I broke my back, my neck, all of my ribs. Um, and I mean, it was 60 feet, so... Yeah, but because I was a runner and I had strong lungs and I was healthy, um, they tell me that is why I was able to withstand that and not have life-threatening injuries. Isn't that crazy? You were able to withstand that because you were a runner and then you got hit when you were running. I know, running (laughs) saved my life, but it also (laughs) took it, almost took it. So isn't that ironic? Yep. So your husband's reaction to this, what does he tell you? I mean, you, you don't remember, but yeah. who, who told him? How did that? I mean, getting our call at 6 in the morning, 5.30, with your kids yeah. still sleeping. It was just after 6 a.m. when he got the call from police. And it's kind of interesting, you know, now that it's been five years, we open up a little bit more about what happened. And even my son that was five at the time, he opens up a lot, but... So every year on March 12th, we kind of sit around as a family and we talk about this. And my husband says, you know, we, I joke with him, like, I'm surprised you even answered the phone because he (laughs) never, I'll be out for a run and I'll call him to wake him up. You know, Mm -hmm. he won't answer. He never answers. But that one time he answered even a number he didn't recognize. So the police called him and Um, which is funny because I didn't have ID or anything on me, Mm -hmm. but I was conscious enough to give him your number to give him no way. So I told, yeah. So I told the police, I said, my first thought was, have you called my husband? And they like swarmed me. So I do remember that they kind of were like, wait, no, no. Who's your husband? You know, trying to get the information from me before maybe I Mm -hmm. passed out again or whatever. And they said, and it's funny because when you're, you, you're in shock, right? You have things in your head that are. I just remember just thinking all of these things. And um, so I gave him my husband's number. And then I remember telling them, there's one person that I know that's really prominent in the community. And I said, if my husband doesn't answer, call him. Because I knew someone would have his number. Someone, Mm -hmm. one of the firemen or somebody would have his phone number. So anyway, they got a hold of my husband. They got, had him call my running partner's husband and so he was able to communicate and they said your wife's been in an accident he knew I'd been out running so he was kind of confused like how could my wife be in an accident she was running and so he went down to the scene of the accident and he saw he he told me he saw a car that was pretty banged up but that was from the the other accident that they were there cleaning Mm -hmm. up but I did take that bumper. I did some good damage to that truck. So, you know, I'm pretty strong that way. <laughs> yeah. no, What's so, a Ford? They fall off. Yeah, you know? yeah. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm just kidding. He, so, yeah, he saw the other car and he was pretty scared. He didn't really quite know. And at that point, I'd been transported to the hospital. So they told him where to go. And, and he went over there. But he took the kids. He just grabbed them out of bed, put them in the car, and took them over there, not really knowing what was going yeah. on. So pain-wise, 
I always wonder, people always say, oh, you don't feel it in the moment because of everything. Was it really that much more painful after, like when you were in the hospital or, or I don't know, what was the worst part when it came to pain? Or was it the recovery? All was of it the everything? Above? <laughs> so at first I didn't feel anything. In fact, like I was telling you, my world was black. I couldn't see mm. anything. I couldn't really feel anything. But when they picked me up off the street and put me in the ambulance, I remember my leg hurt so bad. And I just remember them saying, give her more morphine or whatever, like pump her more morphine. And, wow. and then I couldn't really feel anything after that. But um, I tell you what, though, when it came to recovery, the most painful thing were my ribs. So if anybody ever says mm-hmm. breaking a rib is feels like they're going to die, I'm like, I'm so sorry. I know it's terrible. It is terrible. You can't breathe. Because you can't do anything, right? Once you break mm-hmm. a rib, you just kind of, you yeah. just wait. Yeah. And you just have to, you know, they can't brace them. And then it, you can't take deep breaths. And can't so, laugh. <laughs> well, they did say laughter is the best, best medicine because it strengthens your lungs, right? Oh, but, really? Oh, it was terrible. Oh, yeah. It was terrible. So I broke all of my ribs. Wow. And so that was, yeah, that was pretty painful. <sighs> um, hearing from your husband side of the story how did he feel when when he saw you when he got to the hospital and i mean did they tell him look we don't know if she's gonna make it or when he got there did they say okay yeah she'll she'll be able to make it um i'm not sure exactly the timeline but he does tell me that um as soon as they told him that there were no life-threatening injuries he could he he felt much better at that point but he so at the beginning he said when he walked in um it looked like a murder scene really there was blood everywhere just everywhere it was covered in sheets he could only see from here up um well from my chin up so he could only see my head yeah and he's he was puking in the corner like he wow. couldn't it was that it. bad it was that bad he could not handle it and so Man. we had people that um that we were super close to that came to the hospital right away and um they kind of took over the part of making sure i was okay and he was okay because it was quite yeah. traumatic for him as well i bet yeah so how long were you in the hospital for um, I was in the hospital for a week, and then I went to rehab for two, and then they sent me home. And then I had a little relapse, and I had to go back to the hospital for another week. That was not very much fun. So total about like a month? Yeah, it was about a month. But then I was also, when I was home, I was doing home health. I had nurses that came twice a day and re, um, physical therapists that came every day to help mm-hmm. make sure I was getting all the things that I needed. Now, man, there's there's so many so things much. I want to talk about because it affects every single aspect of you and your family's life. So let's start with your children. How was it when you came back home? How long did it take you take you to go back to full Tammy right. activity? It was a long time. Um, so this is something that my son opens up 
to us a little bit more now. He told us just a couple weeks ago when we were doing our little family reminiscing, right? He said, Mom, those, um, those couple weeks were really, really hard mm. when he... Because all of a sudden, you know, he's five. He has his mom. I was a stay-at-home mom at that mm. time, you know. I didn't work. And all of a sudden, mom's gone. Mm. And I don't get to be home because dad's gone too. He's at the hospital. And so he said it was really hard for him because he was just going from house to house, whoever could take care of him. Wow. Because they all had stuff going on too, you know. Yeah. But for the most part, our families dropped everything. And they took the kids. And they were able to take care of them. Now, when I came home, it was a whole other ball game, right? Mom's home. What do you think a five-year-old thinks when mom's home? Everything's normal. Everything's normal. But I couldn't even walk. I couldn't even take care of myself. I could barely breathe. I could barely... Um, Were you just on bed rest for like Yeah, ever? I could get up like and take care of personal things. And then I had to go right back down. I, I was um, kind of walking i guess a little bit with a walker but it was very with broken ribs i had a yeah, cousin who broke one rib yeah, mountain biking and he was push, dead <laughs> they push you hard i guess all the broken ribs you know it was just everything was broken so it didn't ah. i didn't know what hurt at the moment it was just <laughs> everything was broken but to him i should have been normal so it threw a hole yeah. and so um we had my mom and Kate, my mom came and stayed with us for a while, and then my mother-in-law came and stayed with us for another while, and it was just hard because they weren't grandma anymore; they had to take care of them. Yeah. And so it was just it was really hard for them when I came home. They thought mom's gonna be back to normal, and then the hardest part was when I went to the doctor, and he said, "You're gonna have to go back into the hospital." Um. I had an infection in my leg pretty mm. bad. So I had to have three more surgeries and mm. be on IV antibiotics for a week. And um, it was so hard to tell my yeah. kids, like, I'm going to have to go back to the hospital. So that was probably the hardest conversation. And so I went back to the hospital. Um, and it was, it was really hard on them. It was yeah. really hard. How long did it take for everything? Like once, did they tell you you like you wouldn't be able to run or was there was that never in question no that wasn't really a question my doctors um i had a really really good doctor um he knew how important running was and every appointment i would say when do i get to run again <laughs> well as soon as you feel good enough there wasn't any question that with my broken leg you know that i wouldn't be able to attempt running again it would just be level of pain or you know, I had a rod and screws in my leg, you know, how would that be? But my doctor assured me, you'll be able to run, you'll be able to run again. So mm -hmm. that was huge to me. So you got hit March 12th, mm -hmm. right? When did you take your first run again after that? Ooh, I don't know. Maybe. Okay. So this is where my story is different because um, I kind of would just go for little walks like that first year. We mm -hmm. would ride bikes. So we started riding bikes just to get out oh, okay. and do something. Um, but then... Were you nervous? I'm curious. Like, Was I nervous to run again? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. hmm. everything hurt. I mean, my leg, my 
back, my neck. But I also mean, like, were you nervous when you heard a car coming? Oh, like- yeah. So for the whole first, um, I remember having a conversation with a friend. I went over to their house, and I just said, I just wish I could cross the street. I was in not even a busy neighborhood. They wow. said, it scares me just to even think about crossing the street. So that was huge, trying to get over that. Um, and the so the whole first year, I was having... I was doing physical therapy, um, and then I had to do treatments for my neck, for whiplash. I mean, there were so many things. So I didn't really try to run again because I was having back issues. I would just walk. I was just walking at that point, and then I attempted to maybe run, maybe like an eighth of a mile, and it was so painful. I just, I just couldn't do it. But I still got out. I still tried to yeah. be somewhat normal. Um, and then the following year, I found out I was pregnant. And so I couldn't run at that point either. <laughs> so I, um, and that was something too, is the doctors didn't know if I'd be able to have kids again. Mm. And that was another thing that was important to me. So, I mean, while that was wonderful, it did push back running. So yeah. there were different things. So it probably took me, so my son was born almost two years after. And... I don't know. It was probably another six months before I really started running again. Wow. Yeah. I don't know if I want to come back to running after it that was, long of a break. So here's the thing about coming back. Well, it's because I loved it so much. Yeah. And at that point, Nan um, had been running. She had already ran a couple half marathons. Like she already was out and. Was she just in and out of the hospital pretty much? um, Well, she did. She did the hospital and she did the rehab, but her injuries weren't as severe as mine. Mm. And she started running with her niece who really pushed her to come back. And it was Mm. so hard for her. But I also had, you know, pregnancy in the mix that she didn't have. So there were just things that were different about her recovery. So seeing her out doing that, um, I was a little jealous. I'll just be right up front. I mean, it was hard because I'm thinking, why am I not at that point yet? (laughs) But I had to remember where I was too. And so, yeah, it took me about two and a half years to get back. And I had thoughts of, well, I'm not going to be anywhere near as good as what she's doing. How can I run with her again? But she encouraged me and she would just say, okay, let's just run to that bridge that was, you know, yeah. hundred feet away like let's just run there and then we'll walk and let's just run there wow. so we took baby baby steps to get there. now this is a question i probably should have asked before this okay. recording <laughs> oh gosh but was it always comfortable for you to just talk about it or was there a time when you just didn't want to talk about the accident how how did that affect you this is probably the first real conversation really? I've had about it. I mean, yes. I tell people, but it's not something that I just tell people. It's not like a conversation starter. In fact, I kind of hide from it sometimes yeah. just because I don't want that to be who I am. You know, the person that got hit by a truck and whatever. But yeah, it was really hard for me to talk about for a while. But do you see at the same time, though, how that can be helpful or inspiring to others? Yeah. Yeah, we did do some where we would go and speak with women and kind of, but only a few. And it was really hard at first. I probably cried the whole time and they thought. I bet, yeah. Who is this? (laughs) What is she talking about? You know, because at that point it was so fresh and I hadn't seen um, the comeback yet when I had done those things. So this is the first Mm. like. Aftermath. After, after 
my comeback per se, I guess you would say. <laughs> okay. So we, we get out of this whole story of being hit, being in the hospital, getting out. And this, like you said, you know, you don't want to be known or whatever as the girl yeah. that got hit. And that's also not the reason or the thing that I was most curious about. It was just context for the questions that are coming right. up now. So I'm always fascinated by the things that we do. Like I love reading like self-development books right. and stuff like that. And the question always seems to be, what would you do today if you were dying tomorrow? You right. know, that seems to be like, oh my gosh, like that's what makes right. everybody want to act all of a sudden. And I always wonder why do we wait? Why do we have to think in such extremes to be able to do something today that we enjoy? Right. Now you went through that in mm -hmm. real life. How did that change your lifestyle? Did it? I mean, I don't know if it did, but how did that affect you? Well, I saw what my life could be like without something that I loved because I was running before. So it didn't necessarily change the fact that I loved running, but mm -hmm. it made me see that it could be taken away. So I don't take it for granted now. Um, I also want to show my kids that you can overcome something so hard and you can still, you can still do something. You know, you don't have to let that be your reason for stopping yeah and being someone of faith how was that applied to your whole process was it did you have times where you kind of question it like why me why did this happen to me why when my son is young um how did that play in your whole story um, not once during the time of my accident when I was in the hospital did I think, why me? Mm. Um, I saw so many miracles and I saw so many small things. Like it was just every day, the triumph of yeah. I can walk today or I can take one step. You know, it's just those small little triumphs that I didn't think that once. But when I started mm. running again and it was extremely painful, I mean, it hurt hurt so bad and I remember having a conversation with my husband saying what if it's just not something I can do anymore mm. what am I going to do how am I going to be able to tell Nan that I can't run anymore and this is this is who I am you know I'm a runner this mm -hmm. is some this is who I am and so there were times during that that I thought why did this have to happen um, because it is such a huge part of who I am yeah. I wondered why But then now looking back, there's just, you know, we're asked to go through hard things. That's what makes us better. It's what makes us yeah. stronger. And so I don't really, I mean, I thought that there were points that I did think, you know, why did I have to go through this? It completely sucks sometimes yeah. <laughs> and, and it hurts. And I still, like, I can tell you, I still have days where, That's the hard part about getting up is when I hurt, like my back hurts. So it still hurts? Hurt. Oh, yeah, it hurts yeah. all the time, especially in the winter mm. with the cold. It hurts. But I know once I get out and run, I'm going to feel better. Mm. And it just gets my body moving again. And so yeah. it, it helps. So I never did really think why me in the beginning um, because I did see 
evidence that God loves me and he cared. So now as far as like, like enjoying every minute now that you have and all that stuff that comes post uh, an experience like that. Mm-hmm. Did you see a, uh, an increase of that for you or like, like your children, for example, did you feel like that helped you live uh, better? And I'm asking because one of the people that will come here to be interviewed is someone who went through a uh, battle with cancer. Mm-hmm. And he was in his early 30s, if I'm not mistaken, or late 20s, something like that, super young. And he was into politics a lot. Like, that was his life. Mm-hmm. But he said that when he was going through that, he just said, look, God, if I make it through this, I promise I'm just not going to waste time anymore. And it wasn't like a deal he was making. It was more like he saw like, oh, my gosh, like I've been spending so much time with that and my wife and my daughter. So once he came out of that, he stopped pretty much everything with politics and focused on his family and church. Um, Did you have something like that with you to this day that you think you can trace back to that experience? Yeah, I did have a few things that I was doing at that time that took me away from my family quite often. And I remember being in the hospital thinking, why am I even bothering with that? It's not Mm. being productive. It's not, you know, rewarding me. So I did have a few of those moments. And it does, um, it does help me see, like, I'm not going to say some days I still get, you know, tired and, you know, sometimes I snap. You mean you're still human? Yeah, I'm still human. Oh, geez. I I thought you weren't. I'm not super Tammy every day. But there are times when I remember like, okay, this almost got taken away from you. You almost weren't able to be with your kids. Like you yeah. need to enjoy, enjoy that. So. so as far as lessons that you took from this, besides looking for cars, watching out for cars. Yeah. <laughs> um, Look at the car turning left. <laughs> yes. What are two or three lessons that you can share with, people maybe who are not going through something like that but again something that they're probably taking for granted and what are two or three things you can share so one thing I think is that we don't need these big experiences to say like my family's important or God's important or whatever's important to you you don't need to go through something so crummy I like to say you know I got smacked I got taken to the ground right like I needed to be taken out for me to realize what's important you don't need to be taken out to find out what's important in your life you know really cherish you know the small moments and really enjoy things that you love like I loved running but it didn't it wasn't I almost needed that bitter to make it sweet right so now I know what it was like when it hurt really bad and now I see that I'm even though it's painful I'm stronger now than I was before because it means so much more to me so I guess what I'm saying is the first thing is to not let something big happen to appreciate the small simple things that you enjoy um, and the small things that are important to you so that would be number one Number two. Okay. And then the, so number two would be that we can do hard things. Like we can overcome anything. I hear a lot of people saying, you know, oh man, it just hurts so much to walk down the street. Right. I would, I would 
I would run if I, if it didn't hurt so bad. Mm. I'm not discrediting them because I know, I know like sometimes it does hurt bad and you don't want to go. Um, but I think sometimes we let pain and discomfort stop us from doing something that's important. Mm. So some runners struggles with knees. I'm grateful every day that my knees, I didn't Mm. have knee damage because that can be crippling. But if you're feeling a little bit of pain, if you keep going, it's going to feel better because I've witnessed that. Like I hurt so bad, but it was so important to me that now I don't hurt as much as I would if I hadn't kept running. So So I just heard you say you broke your back, you broke your neck, all of your ribs, leg, a bunch of stuff. And then you just said, you're grateful you didn't break your knee. Yeah. Uh, that's how, pretty much it. How do you keep that attitude, though? Like, honestly, that's how do you keep that grateful, cheerful attitude after something like that happens? Because not everybody keeps that. You know what I mean? Like, some people live with that the rest of their lives. And, I mean, we can talk about meds and, you know, they'll be on pills all day, every day, um, depressed and and I mean, I'm no one to judge whether they're right or wrong because only they know uh, what they went through. But how did you were you like this before or did this happen after? I'm curious to know. I don't, I don't know. And I'm honestly don't let this deceive you. I'm not the most positive person in the whole world. <laughs> but this really I am grateful because it could have been a lot worse. It truly could have been a lot worse. I mean, who gets hit by a truck? Two women get hit by a truck and both of them survive and both of them are running again. How often do you hear that in the news? You don't. Mm. You don't hear it. Were you on the news? Now that you oh, mentioned yes, that? I was on the news. Yeah? My moment of fame <laughs> that I want to take away. No, I'm just kidding. No, I was on the news and you just, you don't hear about that. And mm. so I guess thank you for let, allowing me to share that story mm. because it is something to be grateful for and we talk about it every time we run that we're grateful that we're together still and we're able to run and we're able to run long miles because it could have been totally different it could have been totally different have you ran through the same place no never ever since and one day i will but that's not interesting no i drive that way i still drive that way but i don't um I do not run that way anymore. In fact, when mm. I see people crossing that intersection, in fact, it makes me really, really nervous. Really? Yeah, it does make me nervous. So maybe I'll join you guys when you're when you do okay. run. Okay, you're invited. Intersection. I don't think I can get my friend to do it, but maybe I can one day. Yeah. I don't know. I get. Not Hopefully it's running. not in the middle because I won't do that eight miles. But you call me when you're heading. Okay, we'll just we'll just <laughs> go that walk place. that one day. How about that? We'll start there. We'll just start there. Yeah. Well, we can start there, and then yep. after that, I can leave. But yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing this with us. Um, do you have any final thoughts that you'd like to share? I think just you know we can we can do it. We can right now. Can I talk about COVID? <laughs> Yes, you can. You know, so... I mean, who's not being affected by I know. So, so. there's one thing, like, um, this big thing happens to me, right? And and I'm grateful. And then now the whole world is shutting down because of 
this COVID-19 stuff, right? Yeah. And so my friend and I, we couldn't go to San Diego to run our big hurrah for our five-year anniversary. And we had been looking forward to that. And we went on a run on that Sunday that we were supposed to run the San Diego. Which was March 12th when you got hit. Right, right. Mm -hmm. So we went on a run that day and we went somewhere we had never gone down to the nature preserve in Layton and it was beautiful. It was quiet. Nobody was there. And we, it was, it wasn't like normal runs for us. You know, we really stopped and we thought about what was happening in our world and how scared we were, you know, and we thought we've done this March 12th before, like we can do it again. But even, you know, sometimes things are different, but we had so many people that helped us through that time. And I think that we can, we can overcome hard things. Like we can do hard things and we can help each other out. And we felt that that day, um, even though the world is chaos, you know, we've, we've done it before. Let's, let's do it again. Let's conquer. Mm. Let's be strong and help each other out. So that's the one thing, the biggest thing for me. And I think we can all, use some of that right now right you know we were before we started recording this we were talking just about how everything weird how everything's so weird right right now you know people not knowing what to do who to let in their house where to go where to eat i mean everything's just out of normal like nothing is normal so uh yeah we can we can definitely use some of that cheerful super tammy attitude yeah and i called you super tammy before we started but now i didn't know your story so right. now after listening to it you <laughs> super are tammy. super tammy tell that to my kids okay? you, you can use that every march 12 <laughs> i'm super tammy we've got this so good deal yeah well thanks for coming in today and thanks for sharing your amazing story um i really hope that people can benefit and learn and um make the most of their lives because like like i said at the beginning that's what this is called don't live stuck i understand and i believe that we will get stuck at times but let's just not live there let's just not stay there and and you showed that by not staying in the hospital not staying in that mentality you are running again so you're a certified don't live stuck person (laughs) thank you thank you tammy okay